It is a privilege to share God's Word with you this morning. Thank you, Pastor Randy, for this privilege, this opportunity. And we'll be looking at the book of Haggai this morning. Haggai chapter 2, which we've already read uh, this morning with our Old Testament Scripture reading. Some significant background already to this chapter. And some months ago, I believe it was back in the, the summer or early fall, I got to share from chapter 1. And chapter 1 basically is about the people of the southern kingdom who had been taken to Babylon, had the opportunity to return, and these particular people did. They had begun the work of rebuilding the temple, which had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar when the Babylonian captivity occurred in 586 B.C. These people had got back to work rebuilding the temple. They had uh, laid the foundation, but then encountered opposition, and 16 years went by. No work. Haggai came to tell them, consider your ways, get your priorities straight. The worship of God is the thing that matters. And that's where we're at when we come to chapter 2. The people have heard that message, and they have begun to work. So let's read chapter 2 of the book of Haggai. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. God's Word says this, In the seventh month, On the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more. In a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priests answered and said, No. Then Haggai said, If someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, It does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So is it with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so with every work of their hands. And what they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward, Before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. 
When one came to the wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were but twenty. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I am about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks for the reading of your holy word today. We thank you for the several passages that we have been privileged to hear from this day. Lord, we thank you for speaking to us and for making this revelation known. And Lord, we pray now that this particular portion of your word, this chapter would be an encouragement to our hearts today and help us to go forward, help us to persevere. Lord, please do this for your name's sake and for the good of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in elementary school, I was on a basketball team, the only basketball team that I've ever been on. And one of the things that I have a little recollection of was even as a little tyke, you can get tired out there on the court. You have the goal of winning the game, of course, and you want to do a good job. You want to make your shots. You want to pass when you're supposed to pass. You want to maybe steal the ball if you can. But it can get a little wearisome sometimes, especially if you don't do a lot of exercise any other time. And we had, of course, some cheerleaders on the side. Now, the purpose of those cheerleaders was to encourage us. The purpose of those cheerleaders was that they would do those cheers and pump us up. And I do remember sometimes when I was a bit tired going up the court that if I heard them chanting my name or if I heard them saying a cheer for our team, that would encourage me. That would give me some extra strength to go on. Now, as we look into the book of Haggai this morning, we are looking the book of a prophet who someone has called God's cheerleader. Now, this prophet is doing something that a cheerleader is supposed to do. He is encouraging the people. And we see this morning that there are three particular ways that he encourages them. He encourages them to remember uh, several things that they need to rely on God's help. They need to reflect God's holiness. They need to hope in God. And we see that there are people who are getting weary. They have begun the work of rebuilding the temple. They have begun to do what they had started and then left off for some time. And now they are picking it back up. And we know, as we, we read in, in the book of Ezra this morning, that it wasn't the end of opposition. It wasn't the end of difficulty for the people as they went back to resume the work of God. And when I preached on Haggai 1, I made the application that 
We obviously are not called to go to the Middle East and rebuild a ruined temple there. But we are called to focus on the priority of worship. We are called upon to focus upon the need to look to God in our private lives, in our life as a local church. We need to put God first. He is supreme, preeminent in all things. We are to worship Him. That is to be the focus of our lives. And folks, we can get that message and we can get that uh, illustration that's been used so many times about putting the big rocks in the jar first and then you put all the other stuff in because if you don't, the big rocks won't have any room. We can get that message about our priorities, but do you know what happens then? Monday morning, the alarm clock, unexpected things, vehicle breaking down, family situations, There are things that come and will distract us from what we know is to be our priority. And the people of God here needed this message from Haggai. And I trust this morning that you will be encouraged as well. That you will be encouraged to persevere in the things of God. That you will be encouraged to go forward. So first of all, let's take a look at the help we have in the Lord. We need to rely upon the help of the Lord. In the first nine verses of chapter 2, Haggai is reminding them. He reminds Zerubbabel, the governor, the, the political civic leader here. He reminds Joshua, the high priest, the religious leader. He reminds all the remnant of the people. This is a message to everyone. He reminds them of the help they have in the Lord. And why do they need this reminder? Well, the first difficulty we see recorded after they have begun the work... We see people in verse 3 who are despairing because they are comparing their work to what people remember from the past. He says, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? And there may have been some people who had been four, five, six years old when the Babylonians came in and took them captive. When the Babylonians came in and destroyed the temple that Solomon had built, the temple that was built with great magnificence and splendor. And there were people who, even as a youngster, had some some recollections from that time of the glory of that temple. And the Lord has this word come to them and says, you know, how do you see it now? If, If you remember this former glory of the temple, how do you see it now? Is it not As nothing in your eyes. To them they were thinking. This doesn't even begin to compare. To what we saw. When we remember that temple of old. What are we doing? Why are we spending our time doing this? There is no way we can attain. To what things once were. And yet he says. Be strong. Zerubbabel. Be strong Joshua. Be strong all you people. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. And isn't it easy to get discouraged when we begin to compare ourselves, both as individuals and as a local church? How many of us can look at another Christian and say, man, if only I could be as godly as that person. If only I could be as faithful as. If only I could be as strong in the Lord and have as much trust as that individual does. If only I could have the kind of prayer life that that person has. Or as a church, we could look around and say, well, 
You know, th- this ministry here just seems to be blossoming and, and prospering. And look at the people coming and look at the growth that's going on. And we can look at those things and we can say, why am I even bothering? Why should I continue to labor? What is the point? I can't begin to compare to those people. But folks, that's foolish to approach life that way. It's foolish to look at others and think that the standard for us is to do what someone else is doing or to attain to what we remember as once being the case in our lives. God has called us to live our lives day by day, to be faithful in the small things, not to build a big empire fast. God has not called us to immediate and apparent success in the eyes of this world. He has simply called us to rely upon Him and to obey Him and to worship Him and to go forward in what He has called us to do in the here and now. And so don't be discouraged by little. Don't be those who would despise the day of small things. God may be doing more than you think and more than you realize in times that look little and look lean compared to former days, compared to others that you may see now. God's help is with us. He says, be strong, for I am with you. Folks, if we have apparent success if we have what looks like a blossoming and flourishing life or work in the eyes of the world, but we don't have the Lord, we have nothing. But folks, the smallest thing, if the Lord is in it. You know the the old hymn, little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. God says, be strong, for I am with you. He promises he's with him and he says, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, the Lord has made a gracious covenant as our brother Neil taught in Sunday school this morning about the covenants of God and how he is merciful and gracious to make an oath and to make a promise and to tell us by these means that he is going to be faithful to us. And this God who makes this covenant, who gives us this agreement, who says, I'm going to do these things and promises, he is faithful. And he reminds them that he's the God who made them this covenant when they were in Egypt, when he was taking them out of Egypt. And folks, remember what God did, the many signs and wonders that confirmed his word to them. Remember the plagues he brought upon the land of Egypt. And in essence, those plagues said, Egypt, your gods are no gods at all. The Lord alone, he is the true God. And you ought to listen and obey and worship him. And remember how he rescued his people, how he delivered them from the death that he brought upon the firstborn of Egypt through the Passover, through the sacrifice of that lamb as a substitute. And the blood was on the door. Remember how he brought them through the Red Sea with his mighty hand, parting the waters so that they walked through on dry ground. Remember how he sustained them in the wilderness for 40 years and did bring them to the promised land, keeping his word to Abraham. This is the God who says, I haven't gone anywhere. I am still with you. You need to look to me. Remember the things I've done in the past. Remember the help I can be to you now. And folks, we need to keep that in mind as well. We need to not be those who will often forget the mercies of God to us in the past when we are going through a present difficulty. We can easily forget 
the kindness that God has heaped upon us and poured upon us and the faithfulness he has shown us. Folks, just as he was faithful to the people of God of old, just as we have known his faithfulness in our own lives, he will continue to be faithful. He is the one that we should trust in now. It is his help that we rely on. God has not called us to go forth in our own strength. He has called us to rely upon his strength. As Paul says in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we see that God has the power to do some amazing things in verses 6 and following that. He is going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. He is going to shake the nations and the treasures of all nations will come in. And he promises to fill this house with glory. He's the one who owns everything. The silver and the gold is his. And he promises that the latter glory would be greater than the former in this house. And that he would give peace there. This is the God who has the power to keep his word. He is the one that we need to trust in. He is the one who can shake the heavens and the earth. He is the one who can do these things. He's the one who has all resources at his command. Folks, we need to rely upon his help. Hebrews 12, which we heard from earlier, we are reminded that we have received this unshakable kingdom and that therefore we need to offer God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for he is a consuming fire. Folks, this is the God who is on your side. If you are a Christian, if you are trusting in Christ, this is the God you need to rely upon. He is with us now and he will be with us. So we need to rely upon the help of the Lord. And secondly, we need to reflect the holiness of the Lord. Holiness to the Lord is emphasized in verses 10 through 19. We see Haggai coming to them with the word of God in a very vivid illustration. It's an illustration we can relate to. He says, if if someone carries this holy meat, this consecrated food in the garment and he touches anything else with it, does that make it holy? Well, the answer is no. But if he touches something unclean and then touches something else, does that make it unclean? The answer is yes. Now, perhaps the idea of this consecrated food, that's not exactly something in our everyday experience, but something very similar is food preparation, disease. Those are areas that we realize that if you take a a freezer full of of good, clean meat, and then you were to, to thaw it out and you were to put some contaminated meat around it, which is going to affect which? Is the good meat going to help the contaminated meat, the polluted meat, or is the polluted meat going to pollute the good meat? Several of us in our families lately have encountered how this works with disease. If you have a room full of people who are well and healthy, And then you bring in a sick person or a few sick people that have a communicable disease, a contagious disease. Who's going to affect who? Are the healthy people going to make the sick people healthy? Or are the sick people going to make the healthy people sick? Well, at least in my house, it worked the second way. Several of us ended up getting the same thing over and over. My wife and I, despite our our desires to, to remain healthy, we ended up. Not communicating our health to the children, but they ended up communicating their sickness to us. And folks, it works the same way with holiness 
And that's why it is important to be clean and to be holy before the Lord, because contamination spreads. Unholiness, uncleanness spreads. And Haggai is talking to the people, I I believe, in terms of this is how things were when you were living here in disobedience. You came, you started the work, you began to rebuild the temple as you were told to do. But then you quit. Opposition came, you laid it by for 16 years. All that time that you came to the ruins, the foundations that were rebuilt and offered your sacrifices, it didn't count. It was polluted. It was not acceptable in my sight. And folks, the application for us is that if we are not living lives of worship and obedience to God, it doesn't matter how many good things we do. It doesn't matter how faithful we are in church attendance. It doesn't matter how constant we are in Bible reading and prayer. It doesn't matter how much kindness we are showing to our neighbors. We are contaminated in the Lord's sight. And we are not offering acceptable worship to Him. I believe there is a connection here in Hebrews 12 when we read. There's so many quotes from Haggai in that chapter. And he talks about this root of bitterness that could spring up. In us and that it could defile many. I believe there's a direct application there, folks. We need to keep ourselves pure for the sake of the people of God, not only for our own lives and our own worship being acceptable. But, folks, if we have an attitude of bitterness, if we are grumbling and complaining against the Lord being dissatisfied with him, that's going to spread. Have you ever been in a job situation where you had a good morale, you had a good attitude of teamwork? Everyone was focused, one mind, the same goal. And then you get a complainer in there. You get someone who is just extremely negative, And that begins to infect others. And then pretty soon, instead of an attitude of people working together and, and putting aside some differences and focusing on a goal, you get people who begin to complain and begin to be bitter and harbor anger and grudges in their hearts. And folks, the same thing can happen in local churches. We don't want that to happen. We want to stay pure. We want to stay clean before the Lord because our disobedience can have effects upon other people. Consider the consequences of your disobedience upon others, upon your family, upon your spouse, upon your children, upon your friends, upon your co-workers, your extended family, those in the local church. Folks, God says that we need to be holy to him. He says that disobedience had brought his judgment, that the the crops were not doing what they expected when they went to the the wine vat. They expected to have more than was there. They went to draw out 50 measures, but there were just 20. And he had smitten their products with mildew and hail, the, the labors they had done. And folks, he says that there was a direct connection there, that their works were not acceptable to him. And again, let's let's be careful here. There, there was a time in my life that I was harboring a grudge toward the Lord, a bitterness to the Lord. And I was yet serving him in outwardly. I was in a local church. I was leading the music. I was doing Bible studies and things. And folks, to the outward appearance, it, it would it might have looked like Doug was OK. But he wasn't. And he wasn't offering acceptable worship to God. The works of my hands The things I was offering were polluted because I was harboring a bitterness to the Lord about a situation that hadn't worked out. 
And the Lord, in His mercy, brought me to realize my position. Brought me to my knees to repent of that. And folks, I began to know more of the blessing of the Lord after that. After I repented. And folks, I realize we're not going to have sinless perfection in this life. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about keeping short accounts with God. We are talking about repenting of known sin. We are talking about keeping ourselves holy before the Lord. And if we do that, he promises a blessing upon obedience. He says, consider from this day onward. There's been a change, folks. The people of God have begun to obey. They've begun to rebuild this temple and to finish what they started. And he says, consider from this day onward. He said, that, you know, that the seed was in the barn. But he says, now I'm going to bless you. That the crops had yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you, folks. Perhaps this is a day that needs to become like it was for the people of God for you. That from this day forward, perhaps there are things you have been struggling in with your life right now. Perhaps there is a particular area you need the Lord's cleansing in. Let this be the day that you can say, from this day on, God will bless me because He has caused me to return to Him. He has cleansed me. He has made me pure. And we can go forward. We can persevere. We can continue in the work He's called us to do. As we reflect the holiness of the Lord. And then finally, we need to remember the hope that we have in the Lord. There is hope in the Lord. We need hope, don't we? The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Proverbs thirteen twelve. When you go to that spigot to turn on the water, you expect that water is going to come out. When you take your car keys and you go to the vehicle, you expect that thing to start and the ignition to work and the engine to run. And folks, if we have no hope, we have no purpose, we have no no reason, no motivation. But if we remember the hope that we have in the Lord, we will have motivation. We will persevere. And he gives this word to Zerubbabel. And he says, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm about to overthrow the throne of kingdoms to destroy their strength. Of their nations. To overthrow the chariots and their riders. And he promises to take Zerubbabel. And to make him his signet ring. There is hope. There is a future expectation here. Given to Zerubbabel. And folks we need to live upon a future expectation. As well. We need to remember. That our best life is not now. That there is hope yet in the future. The best is yet to come. And I'll have to be honest, I don't know exactly what God is talking about in all these words to Zerubbabel. I don't know exactly how or if all these things were fulfilled in some small measure in his day or if it was more in the coming of Christ. But I do know that ultimately these things were fulfilled in our Savior. The signet ring, the symbol of authority. Back in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 22... God talks about Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, that even though he were the signet on his right hand, he would tear him off and give him in the life of those who seek his life into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar and that he would hurl him and the mother who bore him to another country where he was not born and he would die there. He said that he would take Coniah, even though he was the symbol of authority on his right hand, he would tear him off and throw him away. But folks, Zerubbabel says, 
to Zerubbabel, he says, there's a restoration here. You are going to be my signet ring. You are going to be my symbol of authority. And folks, if you will look in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3, we see in the genealogy of Jesus Christ our Lord, we see this man's name in both those passages. We see Zerubbabel. We see that the line, the Davidic line, was restored through which Christ came. And Christ is the ultimate fulfiller of these promises. And it is in Christ that we have hope. The God who made the world for His glory, the God against whom we rebelled, is the one who sent Jesus Christ. The one that He said uh, in John 17, that, that Jesus said of Himself, that God had given Him the authority to, over all flesh to give eternal life to those who would trust Him. That those who would know eternal life, to know the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom He had sent. The one to whom God gave all authority in heaven and in earth who calls us to go forth and make disciples on the basis of that authority. The one who is returning one day. And the one to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Ultimately, our hope is in Jesus Christ. But people, these promises this morning are not promises of hope for you if you rebel against Him and you continue in unbelief if you are not a believer. These promises are not promises of hope, but promises of doom. Not promises of deliverance. Promises of destruction for you if you will go against God. But for those of us who have trusted Christ, that have come to the feet of Jesus in repentance and faith by the mercy of God, for us, this is hope that God will overthrow the kingdoms. That God will rule and reign with complete authority and power. Is that where your hope is this morning? If it is, you can go forward. You can persevere. We have this unshakable kingdom. And folks, we fight as soldiers from a victory that has already been won by Christ. We fight from a position where the final work has already been done by Jesus. He just calls us to go forth in light of that. And to live on the basis of those things. All God's promises are yes and amen in our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, as 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, we should be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, overflowing in the work of the Lord, inasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our hope is in Christ. The people of God in this passage were rebuilding the temple. But folks, where is the temple today? The New Testament speaks of us as individuals and us as a corporate body being the temple of the Lord. This is the dwelling place of God with men. And yet there is a future temple in which there will be complete glory. Christ certainly when he was here and was in the, the temple that Herod had Im improved upon. He certainly brought glory to it when he was here. But folks, there is another temple yet in the future that all the people of God will be a part of. And that temple is where the lamb is the light in that new heaven and new earth in the new Jerusalem. Where the people of God will be with God forever. What was the temple about? The temple was about access to God. That's what it was about. About God being with His people. And it showed us how we had to approach Him. As sinners. Who had to have our sin atoned for. Had to have a sacrifice. A substitute in our place. To enter into the holy place. Only the priest could go there. In the Old Testament. In the Old Covenant. But folks. Now God calls you and me. 
into his presence through our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a yet future hope of dwelling with him in perfect purity forever. Is your hope there this morning? That should encourage you to continue to persevere in the things of God. So this morning, as, as we consider perseverance, so let me ask you, have you gotten the message of chapter 1 first? Did you get, have you gotten your priorities straight? Is worship of God, the glory of God, is that what you are living for? And then secondly, if it is, how are you doing in that? How are you doing with that day by day? I don't know about you, but I haven't learned it. To the point that I could say, I've got it down pat. I've got everything figured out. I need these things to encourage me to continue. Because there are days that are discouraging. There are days that are disheartening. There are days that I feel like giving up. That I feel like, what is the use? I feel like I've blown it so much. Lord, how can I, how can I go on with these things? These things will encourage us. And let me encourage you to encourage one another in these things. This is not just a message to us as individuals, although it certainly is at least that. But I think there's an application for us as members of this local church. And with those we'll come into contact to who are also members of the body of Christ as a whole, that we need to use these truths, these truths of God's word, the help that we have in him, holiness to him, the hope we have in him to encourage one another to continue to fight the good fight, to run the race, to persevere, to be cheerleaders for one another, to help spur one and another on in love and good deeds. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that it is to us. We thank you that you are with us and we have resources far beyond our abilities. Lord, we are nothing and we are incapable of the very things you call us to. Yet you bestow grace upon us. You bestow strength upon us. You give us power through your spirit to do those things you have called us to do. Help us to rely upon that. And Lord, please keep us pure. Please keep us as those who are reflecting your holiness. Please continually cleanse us and work in us. Protect us from any root of bitterness. Lord, I pray you protect us as a local church in that regard. I pray that we would display your holiness and glory. And Lord, keep us looking forward to the future by the hope we have in you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And one day he will deliver the kingdom to the Father when everything has been put under his feet. Lord, we praise you for that reality that we will soon see come to pass. Lord, please hasten that day for your glory and the joy of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.